Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to reach a blessed month, which is actually part of the dua we made in the month of Rajab. In Rajab, we said to Allah, Allahumma barik lana fi Rajab wa Sha'ban wa balighna Ramadan. We asked Allah to bless us in Rajab and to bless us in Sha'ban and to allow us to reach Ramadan. We ask Allah to make this month of Sha'ban that we've just entered, coming close to the middle of it, we ask Allah to make it a blessed month for us. The month of Sha'ban, the Prophet Muhammad called it his own month. He named it his own month because Rajab, Shahrullahi, Ramadan, Shahrul Ummati, Shahrul Qur'ani. But Sha'ban is one which many people neglect. So he named it his month. And as such, I wanted us in this session to remind ourselves of our Prophet And when Allah granted him a community in Medina, Munawwara, in Yathrib, what was the first thing that our Prophet Muhammad did? He joined hearts. He united people. He joined the hearts of two warring tribes that had been at war for decades. He joined the hearts not just of two warring tribes, on top of that, immigrants from Mecca came to join them. And they were not just one group of immigrants, also people from different tribes eventually came to join Medina. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, by Allah's help, through him, Allah united the hearts of the believers. Of this, Allah says in the Quran, وَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ أَلَّفَ بَيْنَهُمْ إِنَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Allah says, and he united their hearts. Had you spent everything that is in the earth, you could not have united their hearts. But Allah united them together. Indeed, he is almighty, all wise. In another verse, Allah says, And hold on to the rope of Allah together and do not differ, do not separate, okay? Do not be divided. Allah says, and hold fast to the rope of Allah together and do not be divided. And remember Allah's blessing upon you when you were enemies and he brought your hearts together so that you became brothers with his blessing. Allah here reminds us that this brotherhood, this genuine brotherhood that occurs is by Allah's blessing and Allah's blessing alone. When hearts are united for the sake of Allah in his love and in, his, and in the love of the Prophet Muhammad only Allah knows the extent of what such beautiful hearts can achieve together. On such fertile hearts, trees can grow that will bear healthy fruits 
that will serve them and future generations. Actions that come from such hearts will be filled with barakah. The companions of the Prophet Muhammad they loved him so much. And based on that love for him, they were able to love others for his sake. And though their love and support for one another, and through their love and support for one another, for Allah's sake, right? And through this, amazing communities flourished. They were rightly guided, and others were guided to Allah through them. As such, the importance of uniting hearts is something that we know that our Prophet ﷺ prioritized in building communities. And as such, we must follow in his example and unite hearts. We must be people that look at one another as brothers. Allah tells us that as a community, we are. As a community of believers, we are brothers. Allah says, He says, the faithful are indeed brothers. Therefore, make peace between your brothers and be God conscious so that you may receive mercy. So on this point, Imam al-Ghazali, he mentions some rights of brotherhood that we perhaps should look at as a guide, as what it means to be brothers for the sake of Allah. He mentions eight things, I will go through them in this session. The first thing it mentions about the rights that your brother has over you is regarding your wealth in your material assistance. And instead of this, there are three levels. The lowest level is that you place your brother just as the same way you will place your servant, attending to his need from your excess and from your surplus. So when your brother or your sister needs something and when you have excess to support them, then you give to them. Even better than this is that you don't oblige them to ask before you fulfill their need. Because to oblige your brother or your sister to ask you is the ultimate shortcoming in brotherly duty. At the second level of this is that you place your brother or sister at the same footing as yourself. So the same way you will fulfill your own needs, you fulfill your brother or sister's needs. You're content to have your brother or sister as a partner in your property and to treat him or her like yourself to the point of letting them share in what you have equally. Is there a level higher than that? Bala, of course. This level, the third level, is that you actually prefer your brother or your sister to your own self. This is called ithar, where you prefer your own brother to your own need, where fulfilling your brother's need before your own is what you prefer to do. Right? And this is the level of the Siddiqeen. This is the level of those who are completely true in their promise to Allah. And this is the final stage for those who are united in love for the sake of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhanahu wa says, وَالَّذِينَ تَبَوَّعُ الدَّارَ وَالْإِيمَانَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ يُحِبُّونَ مَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَيْهِمْ And as for those who were settled in the land, 
and in faith before them. Look at how Allah described them. They love those who migrate towards them. Their treatment of refugees is not in a way of disdain. They love them. Right? And then what did Allah say? And they do not find in their breasts any need for that which was given to them. That is, whatever was given to them, whatever they own, they don't hold on to it as if, mine, 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 I can't give this away. No. And then what did Allah say? And these people, they prefer others to themselves, even though they might be in real desperate need, even though they might be in poverty, yet they prefer others to themselves. And anyone who is saved from the greed of his own ego, from the greed of his own self, then those are the ones who are truly successful. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described the believers, right? And this is not theory, this is how they lived. Many of them preferred others to themselves. The second level, the second thing, second right, is in personal aid. So let's say, not, we're not talking of wealth anymore, in your own self. And the lowest level of this is that you render help to your brother or sister when asked and when in plenty. The second level is that you treat your brother's needs like yours, not waiting for them to ask. So when your brother needs you to help, to whether it's moving, whether it's whatever it is, you're there first and you don't wait for them to ask. And of course, the highest level in this is that you place your brother's needs before yours and you support them with your own self before, you, you support them with their need before you even take care of your own needs. Abu Huraira narrated that the Prophet Muhammad said, whoever relieves a Muslim of a burden from the burdens of this world, Allah will relieve him of a burden from the burdens of the day of judgment. Anyone who helps to ease a difficulty in this world, Allah will grant him ease from a difficulty in, the, in, the next, in this world and in the hereafter. And whoever covers the fault of another Muslim, Allah will cover his fault for him in this world and in the hereafter. And Allah will continue to help a servant, a worshiper, as long as the worshiper is engaged in helping his brother. So this was how the brother, you know, our Salaf, the people, the righteous predecessors before us, how they lived. Imam Ghazali mentions that the practice of the early Muslims, that a Muslim would see to the need and the maintenance of his brother's family for 40 years after his brothers passed away. He would go to them daily. Do you need any salt? Do you need any water? Is there anything you need? And not asking for anything in return, such that the only thing the family would miss would be the actual person of their father that was lost. Okay, that passed away. Indeed, they were treated not as even by their father. You know, they would treat them even better than how their brother 
would treat them when he was alive, right? This is one, this is a way of living that we know that our Salaf has lived. And of course, we still have people in this time that try to do this. And inshallah, these are not aims that are far from us. These are things we can try to choose. Just one person, find one person. Someone that you have no worldly need from. Or someone that by doing all of these things too is not for any worldly reasons. And try doing it for the sake of Allah and see how Allah treats those who do things for his sake. The third right is regarding your tongue. And there are two things here. The first one is in things you should be quiet about. Imam Ghazali mentions here that this here, it means that you do not mention people's faults, that you're silent about their faults. A believer always keeps present in himself the good qualities of his brother so that his heart may be the source of honor, affection, and respect. As for the hypocrite, the low character, he is always looking for faults. Now, this is you keeping quiet about their faults, not just for the sake of keeping quiet. You keep quiet and make dua for the person, which is one of the rights you'll see. And actually only talk when talking will benefit. Only advise your brother when that advice will actually benefit. Because there are some times you need to first gain a connection with someone before you can offer them direction. Because if you see someone random that you don't know, and you see a shortcoming from them, Right? It's easy to just start saying, oh, do this, wear this, you know? But rather, get to know the person. Get to serve the person. Love them for the sake of Allah. And when you have a connection, then help guide the person. So when it comes to tongue, there are certain things you should make a habit of not necessarily mentioning your brother's faults to him. Ibn al-Mubarak said that the believer tries to find excuses for others while the hypocrite looks out for mistakes. Al-Fudayl, he said, manliness is pardoning the slips of one's brother, concealing faults, feigning ignorance of them, and overlooking them. This is the mark of religious people. And then the second, the, the fourth right, which is the second part of the tongue, in speaking out. The Prophet Muhammad said, one day one man was sitting with him, with the Prophet and a man passed by. And the man said, the, the, the person who was sitting with the Prophet said to the Prophet, you see that man, I love him. Prophet Muhammad asked him, have you told him? He said, no, he said, go and tell him. So saying to your brother that you love him for the sake of Allah, saying things that would please your brother and your sister. Many of us were not very good at ex expressing our emotion, especially positive ones, you know, we're not, you know, we're not expressive enough to say to someone, I love you for the sake of Allah. To say nice things about the person, to say good things about the person, right? Another thing is to thank people, to thank your brother or sister for things that they do for you, right? If someone helps you, you should show gratitude and say it. Thank them for even your good opinion of their intention even if the action they did fell short of whatever it is you might have needed. But thank them for it, right? Ali said, whoever does not praise his brother for his good intention will not praise him for his good deed. 
And Imam Shafi'i, he said, to admonish your brother in private is to advise him and improve him. But to admonish him in public is to disgrace him and to shame him. Many of us, we live in times where we can't wait to point out people's mistakes. We can't wait to retweet others' errors. We can't wait to share other people's mistakes. If you think you have a tongue, do you think others don't have tongues as well? If you think you can expose a lot other people's mistakes, what about what Allah knows of you? What about what the angels who have been writing all the, since the time you were created, what about what they know of you? So whoever covers other people's faults, Allah will cover their faults in this world and in the hereafter. So someone who draws your attention to a blameworthy action that you are addicted to or a blameworthy feature of your character so that you can cleanse yourself of it is like someone who warns you of a snake or scorpion under your robe. And such a person has shown concern lest you perish. And if you disapprove of that, then it's your real loss in the long term. So we're not saying don't advise people or don't, you know, don't tell them about their faults but do it, one, with a heart that really wants the best for the person. Do it after you've asked Allah for help, after you've made dua for this person, so that your heart is not going there to speak on this person, but to speak with them. When Allah asked the most righteous man on earth, Musa alayhi salam, to invite the worst person on earth, Fir'aun, when Allah asked him to call him to Allah, what did Allah say? فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلَ لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرُ أَوْ يَخْشَى Allah said to Musa and Harun, speak to him in a soft and gentle way. Perhaps as a result of this, he will take heed and he will have cognitive fear of Allah. So if that is how Allah asked the most righteous person, to speak to the most wicked person, how should we give advice to our brothers and sisters? We're not as pious as Musa, neither is our brother or sister as wicked as Fir'aun. The next right is that you forgive your brother or sister of their shortcomings and their failings. We are advised by the Prophet Muhammad make excuses for your brother even if it's 70 times, right? Many of us, this is not a habit we're cultivated. We're very, if we, sometimes it's so bad that we see a good action and we turn it into a bad action. Or we see a neutral action and because of how our hearts have been trained to look for the worst in people, you translate what that person said into the worst of things. Rather, the believer is the one that looks at wrong actions and forgives and overlooks from your brother. It's impossible for you to be close to anyone and not clash with the persons. The Yorubas have this saying. They say it's impossible for you to be close and not clash, but it's not good to clash and not reconcile, right? So it's okay for you to clash with your brother or your sister because that's a sign that you're close to each other, right? But when you clash, that should not define your relationship. You should make that clash a means of being closer to one another, right? It's been said that you should seek 70 excuses for your brother's wrong deeds, and if your heart will accept none of them, then you should turn the blame on yourself. 
saying to your heart, how hard are you? Your brother is looking for 70 excuses, yet you will not accept him. You're the one at fault, not your brother. The next right of your brother over you is dua. And this is something which I really ask every one of you to please hold on to. You will see, except especially people that might have offended you, when you make dua for them in private, Allah will soften your heart towards them. In fact, this is also one of the cures that Imam Ghazali gave to people with hasad, those who are envious towards others, that you make dua for the one who you are envious towards. Because by praying for your brother, two things happen. One, a guarantee that that dua is answered according to the hadith of the Prophet. And two, the angels present say ameen to you, for you, for that same dua. So making dua for your brothers is something that we should do regularly. You should pray for your brother as you pray for yourself, making no distinction between you and him. Because in reality, a prayer for your brother is a prayer for yourself. Another right that your brother has over you is loyalty and sincerity. And this is to continue to show the love and sincerity till death and beyond. It's related that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, one day an old woman came to visit him and he stood up. He put his scarf down for the woman and he said, sit. And everyone was surprised how he treated, you know, wh why this special, specific treatment to this woman. And what did he say? She used to visit us in the days of Khadija, right? She used to visit us in the days of Khadija. You see how even long after Sayyida Khadija Kubra had passed away, that love still extended to everyone around. So loyalty in this case is that when your brother passes away, you still visit those who used to visit you together. You still take care of those who he used to take care of long after he's passed away, right? And the, the eighth and final one is relief from discomfort and inconvenience. You should try not to discomfort your brother or your sister. Rather, you should ease their heart of its cares and needs and spare them from having to assume any of your burdens. You, um, you should try not to ask them for anything, for money or influence, and you should not discomfort them with having to be polite and you know, either give excuses or not. So you can see that with this balance, if you are not the one that is asking, asking, right? If that is something that is taken, everybody will, if you follow the first advice, you will be the one seeking out the needs of your brothers, right? If this is followed, you will be the one seeking out the needs of your brothers and asking, is everything okay? How can I help today? How can I, how have you been? Is that, you know, seeking out ways by which you can help and support your brother. You should not, you know, you shouldn't ask people for things that you know that maybe they don't have. Or maybe it will be very difficult for them to give, right? And anyone who does that, if you do that to others, then you'll see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fulfill those needs for you. One of the things we say regularly, we say, We say, only you do we worship and only you do we ask for help. So we should make it a habit to ask Allah. You know the hadith um, when Prophet Muhammad was sitting with Ibn Mas'ud on a horse and he said to him, 
And if you were to ask, ask of Allah. So these are the rights that Imam Ghazali mentioned in his book. And if we as a community hold on to these things and hold on to these rights, then perhaps we will start to earn the results and the rewards of having a group of people that are united for the sake of Allah, that really treats their brother like their brother. In fact, some of the scholars said that they used to treat their brothers in faith more than their, better than their own family. Why? Because they said their brothers in faith reminded them of the hereafter. While sometimes their family reminds them just of this world. But of course, the balance is to show excellence to both your family and to others. And if we as a community just practice some of these things and looked at our brothers and sisters, not based on what race or background or education, whatever it is, but treat ourselves as the Quran labeled us, ikhwanan, brothers and sisters for the sake of Allah. And if we're to do that, perhaps we will see what Allah would do with such a community that loves one another for the sake of Allah. And that's one of the reasons if our love for the Prophet Muhammad is true and sincere, then we would love his ummah. Then we would love creation as he loved creation. Our Prophet was sent as rahmatan, as a mercy. Liman lil alameena, to the whole world. We as his followers should be at the very least merciful amongst one another and by extension being bearers of that mercy, that love, that connection with us and with the rest of mankind. May Allah make us people who hear something and take the best of it.